Hi, this is Tom Hilton from Jacksonville Beach, and you are listening to the Daily Reflection Podcast. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast. My name is Michael Lynn from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I'm Lee McGinnis from Leesburg, Virginia. As members of the recovery community, we created this podcast as a way to provide experience, strength, and hope through the lens of the Daily Reflection book. Each day, we interview members of the recovery community in the hope that their experience may provide inspiration. We value inclusion and diversity, and we really want to provide a platform for all the voices of recovery. We aren't affiliated with any 12-step or recovery program, but you may hear these mentioned throughout the course of an interview. Hey, before we get to the show, I'd like to ask a favor. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it'd be great if you could leave us a comment or a rating. This is going to do a couple of things. It's going to help us expand our reach and improve the show. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Good morning, everyone. It is December 29th. We're almost at the end of the month, almost at the end of the year. And I am joined in the studio today by Tom Hilton. He's been a guest on the show before. Welcome back, Tom. Hey, how are you doing, Lee? Great to, uh, have, great to be back. And thanks for having me back. Thanks for saying yes. And uh, you're here today to talk about the Daily Reflection, which is entitled The Joy of Living. So you want to kick us off by by reading that for us? Yeah, thanks, Leah. I'll read it right now. So December 29th, the joy of living. Therefore, the joy of good living is the theme of AA's 12th step. And that's from 12 Step and 12 Traditions, page 125. AA is a joyful program, exclamation point. Even so, I occasionally balk at taking the necessary steps to move ahead and find myself resisting the very actions that could bring about the joy I want. I would not resist if those actions did not touch some vulnerable area of my life, an area that needs hope and fulfillment. Repeated exposure to joyfulness has a way of softening the hard outer edges of my ego. Therein lies the power of joyfulness to help all members of AA. I like that. Yeah, I don't like it so much. (laughs) Okay, hold on. Before we start talking about it, I can't wait. I love it when someone says I didn't like it. That means we're going to have a good conversation. (laughs) So before we start start talking about it, tell me about your sobriety date. Uh, Well, my sobriety date is March 19th. I've stopped giving away the year, Lee. I know it's like 92 or something like that. Yeah, it's like that. What is it? Just tell us. It doesn't mean you're old. We know you got sober when you were two. It's 1972. That's a long time ago. That's a long time. And how old were you? I know that means we can do the math. Were you a teenager? So here's the math. And if I don't drink between now and March 19th this year, it'll be 50 years. Uh, I I was a teenager. So I'm that guy that has a high school diploma and his and a social security check within all in sobriety. It's an unusual story, and I think it's, I'm a little, you know, I, there's an irony to it, Lee, which is, you know, I guess our, our mind just always looks for things that are different about us, you know, and, and I can I get a little hung up on that, Lee. I'm not kidding you. Like, God, it's just one more weird thing about you, Tom, that you're sober 50 years. I mean, I don't, I know about two other people that are sober that long, but I don't really know anybody that came in as a teenager and has been sober as long as I have. Maybe one other person, one or two other people. Well, you certainly don't need me to validate or affirm anything, but I don't think it's weird. I think it's pretty darn cool. So for whatever that's worth. And I do 
know quite a few people who came in at the age you were, but you're right. Not many who've been doing it for as long as you have, but I think it's pretty impressive. And I think it's impressive whenever somebody gets sober that young and stays sober, because I can see how the mind could work on you from time to time. Yeah, it could. Has it, has it worked on you? Well, you know, there's, I mean, I've been asked a hundred times and I've asked myself, you know, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe I was just having an adolescent crisis, you know, I mean, wouldn't it be a tragedy to miss a lifetime of satisfactory drinking based on a mistake made during adolescence, you know, but, you know, I'll tell you one thing is I've had experiences during adulthood that have reassured me that the addict is alive and well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one I like to share in particular. I had a, uh, an endoscopic procedure that required intravenous sedation. And the anesthesiologist is a social acquaintance of mine. And um, so I have his cell phone number. And uh, so the day after the procedure, the, the guy's name is Kiko. Day after the procedure, I, my son calls me. He says, Dad, you sent me a really weird text. Really? What did it say? It said, Pico, come back. It's not working. <laughs> it's not working. So in other words, and he said, and, and your text had like a bunch of typos in it and you sent it to me. I don't know. So drunk enough to send it to the wrong person, drunk enough to make a bunch of typos. And yet absolutely, apparently, I thought I needed more Versed. Um, so that hadn't changed. That hadn't changed. It's just, you know, and and then I had orthopedic surgery once and I'm talking to my sponsor and I said, it still hurts. I think I need to take another pill. He says, you sound hammered. I said, I can't even feel it. I I don't have, it's not working. It's just not working. He says, it's working. I can tell in your voice. He said, I say, you're just saying that because you're my effing sponsor. And then the next day I like, Man, I was hammered. (laughs) (laughs) So the the essence of my disease, Lee, is that when I'm hammered, I don't think I'm hammered. Mm -hmm. That is that is all as at the very core of my disease of alcoholism. Mm -hmm. I think I'm like I think it's not working. That I desperately need more, and in retrospect, I'm hammered and can hardly keep my eyes open. If you kind of think that through, that's a fatal situation. You know, in other words, you're just always going to use until you, I mean, when I, I stop drinking is when I can't open my eyes, ex, extend my arm forward and put the alcohol to my lips. That's when I stop. And I don't think it's changed. Mm-mm. You know, I still, this is a, a, we talked before we got started Lee, about AA heresy and, and this is AA heresy, but I'll say it. I have not stopped stopped wishing that I could drink. I mean, there are times like last night at dinner, you know, it was just, it was a noisy place, a lot of people. And I just like, you know, if I had two glasses of wine, all these people wouldn't be bothering me, you know? (laughs) And here's how I deal with that one day at a time. I mean, it's so corny. It seems so trite. Like that's all you got. You're sober 50 years and you ain't got a better solution than just don't drink today. No, I don't. I don't. That's all I have is that I don't want to drink today because I don't want to fuck up this interview. I'm going out to dinner with my kids. And let me say this. Twice in the last two months, my children have spontaneously said, Dad, I am so glad that I can rely on you. 
my daughter said, you know, my dad's the only guy that like gets things done when he says he's going to get things done. And my son said, you know, I'm glad that you're the person in the family that is always anchor or rock. I'm like, wow, that's weird because I am not that guy. You know, mm. I'm the problem. I, I'm not the solution. I'm the uh, moody, all that stuff. And yet, you know, I've slowly be so that's, I don't want to mess that up. I don't yeah. want to mess that up. I want my kids to be able to call me 24 seven and know that I am physically and emotionally available to them. And if, the, and if I just, if I'm not going to drink, if that's the only benefit of sobriety, that's, that, I think that's enough for me. Mm-hmm. That's enough for me. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. You know, it sounds like you've been restored to sanity. I mean, we know that the the disease, at least as defined in the big book, is is a mental one and a physical one, right? So the mind, yeah. when we're stone cold sober, says, "Oh, drinking would be a good idea," um, <laughs> even though even though the effects of it have been disastrous every single time or most of the times. And then then we've got this this allergy of the body, which pretty much ensures we're going to wreak havoc everywhere we go because, like you said, you're going to keep drinking until your arm can't reach anymore. Yeah. So what I heard you say was, yeah, I still think about, you know, wouldn't it be cool to take a drink, but you've been restored to sanity. So your mind no longer tells you that this time it'll be different. Well, my mind would like to, but AA freaking ruined it. You know, <laughs> AA ruins your drinking. Yeah. All you got to do is keep going to meetings and keep ruining your drinking. And then this other terrible thing happened with continuous sobriety, you get a conscience. So that screws up, you know, that ruined my dating life. So, you know, <laughs> but my life is good. My life is good. Well, and that was the second piece that I wanted to add to that because you're almost making it sound like to some degree you're white knuckling your life, but you're not. I know that's no, not true. No, no, no. I'm not. That, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up, Lee. No, I am not white knuckling. In fact, I'd like to share, you know, that every year I can say this. God's honest truth. It sounds like, you know, hokey AA bullshit, but I promise you. Every year in recovery, I go, wow, man, I really got this new thing in recovery. I'm so glad I stayed sober this year because I had this great new happy development in my spiritual recovery. Mm. And, And this year, it's like, this year I've had this thought. That's, I believe, fresh and new. Maybe I had it a long time ago and forgot about it, but I, I don't think so. This year, uh, I, I want to be happy. And if it makes me happy, I'm going to do it. And if it doesn't, I'm pretty much not. That might seem like, well, that seems a little idealistic. Uh, not really. I, I wanted to share this at a meeting today. You know, people talk about selfishness as a bad thing. But, Lee, I don't know. You know, one of the people used to always say at meetings, it's a selfish program. It's a selfish program. It used to be kind of like a slogan. And the thinking, I think, was, you know, put the oxygen mask on yourself first. You know, take care of yourself. Do what you got to do to be happy. 
because an unhappy person, you're, I think you're more likely to drink. I don't want to drink today for a couple of reasons. One, like I already said, but the other thing is I got a lot of, you know, I have some very interesting and fun and cool stuff that I want to do. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, my, my career is I'm slowing down in my career. I've loved to practice in medicine. I've worked very hard. So that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to be a cardiologist. I wanted to have the reputation in my community for being, you know, the man. You know, I call that egotistical, say what you want, but that was important to me. It's not important to me anymore. Not as much. I still want the respect of my colleagues, but really I want to be, I want to feel relaxed. So I got a new gig that I'm starting in the new year, which is I get to work at nine o'clock. And I leave at about 2.30. So that means I wake up, go to the 7 a.m. meeting, go to the diner where I, you know, they love me. It's my, you know, my little home away from home. Start work at 9, leave at 2.30, go to the gym and have dinner with my friends. <laughs> oh, oh, and take a nap every day. So, and if that, I don't like that, I won't do it. I don't do what I don't want to do anymore. I want to kind of get to the reading though. This whole Yeah, I want to get to the reading too. I was about to bring you back to it, but I like what you're saying because I actually wrote that on my, you know, I, I I am one of those people that does a New Year's intention list each year. And, and yeah. on my list this year was only do things that bring me joy. Yeah. I don't have to, I mean, I do have to do certain things, obviously, that I don't necessarily want to do. Like, cleaning my house doesn't really bring me joy, but having a clean house does bring me joy. So, but I don't have to hang around people that make me unhappy or, you know, I don't have to do things. So I'm on board with that. So let's, let's get back to the reading and and tell me why you, why you don't like it. Let me just circle back real quick with what you said, you know, cleaning my house doesn't bring me joy, but having a clean house brings me joy. So there is that kind of paradox. During my career, I've, I've worked long hours and I wouldn't say it was, joyful, but I was comfortable in my decision. Just like you say, you're comfortable in your decision to clean the house because you want a clean house. I, I didn't really like the reading. I don't bring know, it it, it kind of hit some nerve with me. And here's the nerve uh, that it hit. My early recovery, I just, I felt like such a loser and such an imposter. You know, it's like everybody loves AA. Everybody's all joy, joy. And I hate AA. And I'm miserable. And I remember I was sitting in my sponsor's car and his girlfriend was in the front seat and I was in the back seat feeling like shit, just miserable. And she says, I don't think the program's working for that guy. And I, it hurt. It hurt like a knife in my heart. Like, I, you know, it's not working for me. Everybody's happy but me. Everybody loves AA. I hate AA. Everybody, you know, great. So you love to like, you know, Friday night, go to Denny's and have coffee. I would rather shoot myself. I mean, I'm freaking 18 years old. I do not want to go to Denny's and have coffee. So joy was something that I wasn't. It, to me, it was like something else that I sucked at. It was, it was like this message. If you're sober, you should be joyful. Well, I'm not. So I guess I'm not doing it right. So it's just one more thing that I suck at. Well, F you. I guess I want to put a shout out to people who are miserable. Okay, <laughs> I mean, so how did I go from? Because I'm not miserable now. I'm, I'm I'm real happy now. I'm real happy. I'd say I'm happy. You know, 29 days out of 30, I might be grumpy one day. I was grumpy one day this week. Okay, I worked 10 days in a row and it made me grumpy. All right, but really, I'd say 29 days out of 30, I'm happy. And it used to be when I was in. When I first came in the program, it was the opposite. I was 
pretty much depressed and miserable 29 days out of 30. So what happened? Well, self-acceptance happened. Okay, self-acceptance happened. And here's the paradox of self-acceptance is that if we're unhappy, I, I had to accept that I was unhappy. I couldn't just will myself into happiness. Mm. Like if I'm having, if I'm cranky, I have to love myself when I'm cranky. If I have a resentment, I have to love myself with a resentment. I spent a lot of time thinking, well, when I have good sobriety, my life will be good. That's, that's not, that really, that's a flawed formula. Mm -hmm. It's a flawed formula. Waiting for perfect sobriety to be happy is a flawed formula. And I'll have joy when I work the program more, when I'm somebody other than who I am. So to me, the insanity, when they talk about insanity in Alcoholics Anonymous, I only think that I think there's only one kind of insanity. And that's the insanity that says there's another universe. And in that universe, Tom has awesome sobriety. And when I move to that universe, I'll be really, I'll have joy every day. You know, and that's why joy is a buzzword with me. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because, so, oh, go ahead. Finish your thought. Because I'm in this universe. And if in this universe I have whatever, call it what you will, crappy sobriety, I don't know, or just I am who I am. But I am in this universe and waiting until I'm in the next universe and it, the universe where I have a great program. Does any of that make any sense for you? It did. And I'm relating it to something that I share with, with women I work with, uh, walk through the steps with, and it's a Buddhist thing and I'm going to butcher it. So sorry, but it's almost like I, the, it's the second arrow. I don't know if you've heard of it. So the first arrow is the thing I feel yeah, do right. whatever. Right. So I feel crappy today is the right. first arrow. The second arrow that I stab myself with is I shouldn't feel this way. And right. if I were a better person, I wouldn't feel this way. And the idea, and I learned this from Tara Brock, if anyone hasn't heard her, she's phenomenal. She wrote a book called Radical Acceptance. And the idea is I feel how I feel. This is it. Like, this is the reality of the situation, right. period, end of sentence. Like there is no, right. if I were anything, anything would be better. And so I, it does make sense. I love yeah. it. That's exactly, Lee, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And, I, and the reason I think it's relevant in a podcast about Alcoholics Anonymous and recovery is that we spend a lot of time in meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous talking about self-improvement. And in our quest for self-improvement, there is a subtle aggression towards who we are. Mm. And that's, like we have to be better. Yeah, it is very Zen. I mean, it's like, I want to be better and I'm totally perfect who I am. That's a, that's a tricky concept. I want to be better. And I'm just fine where I am today. That's what I'm selling today, Lee. And yeah, joy, I'm buying. joy's great if you have it. If you don't, not to worry. That's kind of what I want to say. I love that. And it's not so subtle, the aggression that we have towards how we are. I listen to right. meetings and I, I do bulk. And, you know, I don't think anyone knows how to send me hate mail, but I might get some over this, but when people sit and say, I'm sick, I'm, I'm, a, you know, I am a sick person or I'm, I'm 
I'm a liar. I'm a cheater. I'm a, this. Right. like, I don't know. There is, it's a not so subtle putting myself down right. all the time. Right. And, and the truth is, is we're all on a journey. I believe for the most part, anyway, I have done the best I could until I knew better. And when I knew better, I did better. Right. So, right. So I hear what you're saying and I like it. Like we are perfectly okay as we are. Yeah. And it is what it is. Right. And from that place of acceptance, I can then make choices. Yeah. That might be different or might not. Is that what you're saying? It's what I'm trying to say, but you're saying a lot better. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it's teamwork makes the dream work on communication. Ah, I really like it. I had no idea we were going there, but I love it because you're right. There's a whole slew of people that are probably sitting there thinking I'm doing it wrong or especially now it's the holidays. Yeah. And Lee, as we were talking before we got started, there's kind of a perceptual flaw in a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'll try to do this briefly, but let's suppose you're in a meeting and there's a hundred people. All right. And there's 10 rows, and in each row, there's 10 seats. So there's 100 people, all right? So you walk in the meeting, and you see the first two rows. And it's your home group. So the first two rows, 20 people, they're people you know. They're regulars. They're there every week. You know, they sponsor people. They're sponsor, sponsor people. They're the regulars. They lead meetings. They, they do all that. And then there's the next 70 people. You know them, you've seen their face, they're in and out, you don't know who they are, but they go to meetings and you somebody that you know knows them. And then there's 10 people in the back row that you've never seen before. You don't know who they are, but they're the minority. There's only 10 of them. Out of 100 people, there's only 10 of them. So they seem like a small group. So in that meeting, they are 10%, but in the, in the population of alcoholics in the United States, that's the biggest group. And the reason it cre- the, the, this, this misconception is that 10 people is different every week. The 90 people are the same every week, but that ro- 10 people, they rotate through every week. They go to one meeting and they hit the skids. And they, why do they hit the skids? Because they feel like failures in meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous because they're not joyful. Yeah. And so this whole message of, look, screwed up, messed up, you know, legal problems, social problems, depressed all the time. You're in the right place. Yeah, <laughs> that that's that's the message. You know, you're welcome here. Come as you are. You don't have to be. We don't expect you to be joyful to belong. And if you're not joyful, it doesn't mean you're not working the program. You belong here. If if Alcoholics Anonymous is to have a, an impact on the uh, epidemic of alcoholic deaths, that's the market. Those are the people we have to capture. The people that go to two meetings and disappear because they didn't feel welcome. Yeah, I like what you're saying. And I think, you know, part of the solution to that is to share from the heart, share honestly where you are. If you have time in the program, I mean, I know that I've had lots of issues in in recovery. I haven't drank. I'm generally more joyful than I am miserable. (laughs) But it's important to share honestly and truthfully in meetings about where we really are so that. And, and always with the solution, right? So like, yeah. if I'm having a bad day, I can share, I'm having a bad day. You know, I've got a few 24 hours and, and I still am having a bad day, but I know the solution. I'm here, I'm calling my sponsor, I'm doing the work, you know, whatever. I like that. I know we're out of time. This yeah. is great. I know everyone's going to be entertained. I'm entertained. It's good stuff. Thanks for your good work. Thank you so much. And we will talk again, I'm sure. All right. Have fun having dinner with your kids. What a blessing. All right. 
All right. Thanks a lot. Talk to you Thank later. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to find us online, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash daily reflection podcast. You can find us on Twitter at daily reflector. You can read stories of recovery from our community at blog.dailyreflectionpodcast.com. Please don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. We greatly appreciate it. Have a great day.